Joe Ingalls. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Good, brother. How are you? Great. Just living the dream. <laughs> Joe, you're on the line with, uh, we got Joe Varden here from The Athletic, another one of our NBA writers. We got Jade Hoy, our producer. Hey, Joe. Really appreciate you doing this, man. Nah, no worries at all. Uh, Sam, whenever you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I was just going to share the the levity with Joe. We just called, oh, yeah. we just called some poor sap like three times. <laughs> so I don't even know if it's like an old lady or... Some person. They were very kind. That's right. Uh, no one got nothing to do anyway. So. <laughs> well, that was my my follow up statement. Was I'm I'm so sorry to take up your time, of which you have plenty. So we appreciate too it. much time. I tried it with the plus sign and the whole entire thing, and I got voicemail. I don't know if that was his phone or not. It's going. There it is. I can hear it. Hello. Hey, Joe. No, that's – we keep calling, calling our poor person. Sorry about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh. We've called them three times. Tamper with you. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tamper with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. This is a beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. uh-huh. To feel the brain. Uh-huh. People together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. Trial your one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that right, Gasson? I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast at The Athletic. I am Sam Amick, as always here with my guy Joe Varden, fellow NBA writer. At least that's what we used to be in our past lives. Um, Still on quarantine, still living the coronavirus dream. Uh, We are very excited today. Also here as always with Jade Hoy, super producer. Uh, We at least went out in the absence of hoops and games and action to talk about and we got ourselves a a very good guest for this week utah jazz star joe i'm gonna call you a star just to pump you up a little bit buddy (laughs) joe Ingalls, the one and the only podcast superstar um joe thank you so much for joining us man how the heck are you i'm i'm uh i'm great for the circumstances we're in um i definitely don't want to be referred to as a star because that's way too much responsibility but um, thanks for having me. Well, I, uh, you know, here's what I was trying to do. Um, we were talking offline a second ago about how I had listened to your podcast the other day with your wife, Renee, uh, Ingalls insight, make sure the listeners go out and subscribe to that really good stuff. I mean, as hard as we try in the media to share player perspective, I mean, listen, when you guys go out and do it yourselves, uh, it's a really fascinating window into your world, but even more so now, because of what everybody's going through. You got this universal kind of equalizer of this pandemic that is scary and, and has certainly changed lives and lifestyles and all of the above. But, you know, you joked on your pod um, with your wife about how you had told her for years that, you know, because she's a retired netballer. She's a 17-year pro she athlete is. herself and, and now taking care of, of your young twins at home and, and how – you were jealous of her in retirement and she, I guess, would tell you like, no, nah, you don't know 
what it's like to be here every day. And, and it, I think you're getting a front row seat to that right now, aren't you? I am definitely. Um, I, I guess when, like, yeah, like you said, when you, when you don't know what it feels like to, especially with our schedules, like our schedule is so crazy. Um, for however many eight months of the year and then even for me I usually have a few weeks off and then it starts with the national team so it doesn't really stop kind of I would probably say like 10-11 months a year and um, as much as I love doing that it you just don't ever think about what it would feel like to just do nothing for a long period of time and I think after every NBA season like I can't think of anything better than putting my feet up for a couple of weeks and relaxing but then even then I get a bit antsy to, to kind of get out there and start practicing again and um, I used to always uh, I guess and she said because like you said a 17 year athlete that um, played professionally and I guess everyone's you, you, when you know you know and um, and she definitely knew and she was very comfortable and happy and she'd studied and she, she really knew what she was ready to do next with her life and um yeah, I think this break for me is not that I thought because I've got two more years with Jazz. Not that I thought that would definitely be the end, but being 32 by the end of that summer, I'll be 35. Um, kind of eight, nine years or whatever it will be with the Jazz. Right. A few Olympic games. Like I was, I, I, I would be very comfortable if it was to end there. And um, this last, I think we're coming up to two weeks now of quarantine. I think we're on day 12 or 13. Um, it's definitely opened my eyes to, to not, not that I wouldn't want to retire or be happy finishing then, but just making sure that I do have things to do. As much as I thought sitting at home would be fun, it's not fun. So, Joe, you you guys, I think you guys got home maybe Thursday from, from Oklahoma City. So, an easy one. From what date are you counting the start of your quarantine? From the locker room that night or from when you get off the bus? I think for us it was um, – I think it's considered or whatever the morning we got our results, which I think was the Thursday morning, um, if our days are correct, which I think, for, well, I, we got a text last night. Our, so our official kind of quarantine finishes on the 26th, the night of the 26th, which is, I'm assuming, the obviously the two weeks since that test, the results we got. And, um, I mean, even this, this was coming from... Um, way more intelligent people at the Jazz than, than our team. But um, even when we finish our quarantine, we're still obviously advised to, to really not leave unless it's you, you go on a, I think they call it essential services or whatever, so medical or um, grocery shopping, things that you really need to do. But if obviously if you can stay at home, they, they want us to, to stay at home as much as we can until this, this whole thing kind of settles down. Okay. So, I mean, just for, for the conversational purposes, I have not been tested. I feel fine, feel good. Uh, I was in Milwaukee. Um, you don't want to be tested. Trust me. Yeah, I heard, I heard that on your, uh, on the pod that you did. Um, yesterday i mean is it so i've had a flu this isn't what i wanted to ask you but since you brought it up i'll ask you um i've had a flu test before where they take a swab and they stick it so far up your nose that they're tickling your brain what is the test like for this yeah so it's it's that it's two different things so we we weren't we weren't obviously too sure at the start until we got walked um until the okc health department walked in with their crew and um so it's like 10 seconds, like you said, with a swab up your nose that literally goes 
so far up your nose that it feels like it's about to pop out the top of your head. Um, it's one of the most uncomfortable feelings I've ever felt in my life. Um, we were all kind of sitting in a circle getting the swab up our nose and every guy when they finished was like, like teary eyes because it's just that feeling. And, um, and then they back it up with a swab down your throat as well. So you've got to like open your mouth, stick your tongue out and they like go get the mucus or whatever they need to get. Um, kind of on your, your tonsils or whatever. It feels, obviously I've never had that feeling. So it was, it was a very, um, not not traumatic, but it's a, it's something that um, I really wouldn't want people to experience. And I think that's why, obviously not, not just because of what the test is, but um, that's why they're obviously promoting right now, unless you really have symptoms. It's <laughs> one, it's not worth getting the test because it's, it's horrible. And, and obviously right now we don't have enough tests um, to be just kind of handing them out. So if you've got symptoms, obviously go and do it. But if not, um, trust me, you don't want to have it. So, okay, so two two more along these lines. First, um, I know Jordan Clarkson very well, and I need to know his reaction to having that thing shoved up his nose. Um, and then more broadly speaking, I mean, we're two weeks in, and what I was going to say is I haven't been tested, but I feel fine. Um but, you know, I've been at home and like I've basically graduated to wearing jeans three out of the last four days instead of uh, sweats. And I want to know, like, I mean, are you able to do anything like workout wise? Like what what are you doing just kind of knowing that there you might play again this summer? I'm just I'm curious how this works. First off, me and JC are actually locker room buddies on the road. So I got um, a very close up close and personal uh, experience with him of his test and um yeah he hated it just as much as the rest of us um but he's um i mean obviously you know him but absolutely one of the best teammates great guy um hopefully he stays with us for a long time so um in terms of what we're allowed to do I, i'm the same and, and i think obviously majority of our teammates have been too no symptoms no nothing feeling completely fine um so we're allowed to – we're obviously allowed to work out. We're obviously stuck in our homes. Um, I'm lucky having the wife that I've got made me put a gym in the house. So we've got – I'm actually standing in the gym right now. I'm going to work out as soon as we're done here. But we've got treadmill, bike, dumbbells, squat rack, everything in the house. So I'm lucky that I've got this access because I know other guys in our team who live in apartment buildings aren't aren't really allowed to go in the, the public gym at the hotel, at the apartment building until definitely until this two weeks is up. Um, obviously not just for them and for other people around them, but I think just to obviously make sure everyone's um, all good. And when they get that two weeks, then they're allowed to kind of leave with um, kind of little, little interaction with other people. But it, it, it's tough because you don't, um, I mean, obviously we're all hoping the season starts again, but, I mean, I don't know how many out of what 450 players, how many players would have like courts in their house? Probably a handful, maybe five, maybe 10. There'd obviously be a bigger percentage with gyms that can do stuff like that, but there's nothing, there's no fitness like playing basketball. You can't emulate it in a gym. You can't emulate it on a treadmill. Um, so I think the rumors we've heard is that if it does go back and we do end up playing again, there'll be like a mini training camp. After this two weeks, I don't know if we're allowed to start going into any facilities or not again. Um, so I think like, it sounds kind of stupid, but it's, it's so, it's so much up in the air at the moment that we don't know really any more than the kind of general public or, or you guys really. 
So just to clarify, Joe, you do or don't have a, a basketball court of any kind at your house? Do you have any, any hoop? You, okay. you, you know the answer to that. I mean, you know, big baller with Renee. I thought maybe you guys, you know, did uh, did the Chris Paul style with no. the palatial mansion and and the uh, and Chris can no. run a, an exercise show out of his house. I don't know if you've been watching his social media. I actually replied and I said, I thought you were meant to be isolating. And he said, this is my house. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> you cut out a little bit. Was that well for Chris or <laughs> who was that to? Uh, Chris Paul. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, that is, it's crazy. I was actually thinking about putting a story together on that and trying to get an accurate sense of, like you said, you know, out of the 450-ish players, you know, how many are rolling that kind of way versus, um, I mean, Trey Young is putting up videos of, I think he's got a a nice house, but like guys are running around their hallways and and doing whatever they can. I was worried about you yesterday, buddy. I I tagged you on social media doing the old push-up challenge. And guys, I, I tagged Joe, and all I did is ten. That's about all I can do these days. I'm out of shape, unfortunately. And and Joe hits me back and says, "Fat chance, I'm not doing this." So I thought maybe you had like declined to the state of of not being able to do ten pushups. I'm I'm glad to hear you're working out. No, I well, the first couple of days after the the whole incident went down, I kind of declined doing any. I was like, I don't even know if we're ever going to play again right now, but. Um, I'm just not one to put my workouts on social media. I never have, never That's really fair. would. That's fair. Um, again, I, like, I didn't want to see you doing push-ups. I'm sure people didn't want to see me doing push-ups. So, um, I'll, I'll do point. the push-ups. I'll tell you, I'll do them today. I'm in the gym now. When I'm done here, I'll do the push-ups, but I'm not going to post them. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Humble man. All right, athletic listeners, listen, this is tough for all of us on the sports front. Leagues are suspended. There has not been a live game on TV or anywhere else in what feels like a year, even more than that, I would say, even though it's barely been more than a week. There's no better reminder, though, that the athletic is your place to be distracted. We still have more than 400 of the best sports writers out there. We are still trying to tell very strange, unique, different, compelling, engaging stories Even with these games not going on, I can tell you firsthand that conversation internally is robust, it's entertaining, it's interesting. We are going to be your home for all things distracting while also being informative. We will keep you on top of the news when it comes to the coronavirus and how it's impacting all of these different sports leagues in this unprecedented time. We've got a story out there right now you should check out about Brazilian soccer legend Ronaldinho being in a Paraguayan jail right now. Or one about how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams was beyond repair. Or how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts. Or one from friend and colleague Nicole Auerbach on the college front. She went out with some of our other colleagues and got the at-home training session for college athletes that is being advised by a lot of athletic departments. Tried to do it herself and admitted readily that not quite in the same shape as these athletes. But again, different, fun, informative That's what we're trying to do right now. It's during times like this that The Athletic can help keep you connected to your teams, the athletes, the sports you love. Sign up right now to see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, and the storytelling that's going on and that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to athletic.com slash tampering, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Games aren't being played right now, again, but the stories that drew you to sports, the ones that you've enjoyed for years and that are still there, Do not go away. Go to athletic.com slash tampering. Get 40% off that annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Uh, Let's hit the rewind button. You know, there's a lot to cover here. First of all, if people 
weren't tracking the the news in Utah. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible what has gone on in that part of the country, that part of the world last couple of weeks. Because like everybody, you're going through, you know, COVID-19. And then for you, it's it's a completely different experience. You're part of the team that that was kind of ground zero for this, this situation in the NBA and really society at large to a degree. And then uh, a week after... You guys go through that entire situation. Lo and behold, Utah suddenly is land of the earthquakes, which I didn't know that was a thing out there. 5.7 earthquake. I think it was exactly a week after the Oklahoma City game. And and listening to you and Renee talk about it on your pod, um, I'll be honest, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm guilty of being one of those people who kind of rolls his eyes at most of the world's reactions to earthquakes because I grew up with them. I was there and. Uh, 1989, when it was the 7.7, scary stuff, and that's so. My bars really. Oh, two then, just so you know. Yes, thank you. See, that's why you don't retire. You're young, man. <laughs> but like to hear you guys talk about it, because five seven, it's like all right, that's legit. But I'm wondering, you know, what the experience was like. You you described it as you thought a car hit the side of your house. You know, Renee packed up your car and and was ready to drive the family to somewhere that that was safer with less concrete. Um, I mean, that sounds like it was a pretty frightening thing for the family. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, like I said, I, I mean, we, we have never experienced an earthquake. Um, I mean, maybe we have something somewhere, but we didn't feel anything. But, um, yeah, it was like just after 7 in the morning, um, Renee was already awake and out in the kitchen, and I'd walked out at about 7 o'clock and um, – I could actually, as I was walking out, like I could hear the kids talking on the monitor. So we were about, we were about to go and wake the kids or get the kids out of bed, and we were standing around the bench, and like we, <laughs> I had literally just woken up, and next thing, this like the whole house started shaking, and that's like not an exaggeration at all. Like the whole house was shaking. The you could hear the staircase like moving. You could the cupboard like pictures were falling off the wall. We had not not hung up, but like sitting on a shelf or whatever. They were falling off the wall. Um, and I, my first thought was like, we've, we've got a really steep driveway. So I was like, maybe someone's gone down the driveway and hit the side of the house and it's right next to the kitchen. So that was my first thought. And it, it, I mean, I don't know how long it went for, but it felt like it went for about a minute. Like it just felt like we were standing there. And the first thing we did was obviously run into the kids and, and obviously make sure they were okay and nothing. They've got some shelves with some stuff in their rooms so and making sure nothing had fallen on them or anything. Um, and that was kind of our first note. Our, our nanny, she lives with us and she was downstairs. She came running upstairs. She was asleep and she'd come running up thinking something had happened to her. We were all kind of just standing around. Um, we started to speak to people in Utah that we knew um, that might have had experience in this. And, and they were, I think even on Twitter and stuff, it was like, preparation for if another one hit because they have the aftershocks and there is potential of another one after an earthquake or whatever apparently so we just started to put some stuff in the car because we just didn't we've never experienced this it was like we'll just do what the people are saying on social media and the tv and we had the news on the tv and we had my ipad up with like another news channel and then i think the thing that really hit home that made me like I, I think I said it in the poem, like we wanted to, we were thinking about going back to Australia because my daughter was right. Um, right, right. She'd woken up and they were awake when it happened. And, um, she said, daddy, we, we need to go to Australia. And I was like, why? And she said, cause our house doesn't take there. And I was like, obviously if anyone that has kids out there knows when your, your kids are scared or afraid, it's like the food makes your heart 
boxing and sure. um, as scared as I was during the earthquake, that was like, if my daughter's scared and my kids are scared, then like I, I need to be dad and I need to fix it. So my right. thought was like, all right, well, let's, <laughs> let's go home. Like if that's what is going to, she's going to feel safer and more comfortable. Obviously, we don't really know what's going on with the league right now. So like, let's just go home. And um, I, throughout the day, there was aftershocks. We actually had another one yesterday or the day before that was a 4.0. So obviously not as big, but house took a little bit. And um, But yeah, that, that when my daughter said that, it was like, uh, we need to, <laughs> we might need to go home. And, and, and for the rest of the day, she was, she was very attached to us the rest of the day. She was holding on to me or Renee for the rest of the day. She would sit on our lap whenever we sat down. And um, that, that was probably the most kind of upsetting or, or scary part of it. Well, and it, you know, to that point, it's funny or not funny, but I mean, I looked at the, um, the COVID-19 numbers for Australia out of curiosity, because if I was in your shoes, you're going to sit there and weigh everything. And it's like, if, you know, I mean, I, I do wonder how close did you guys get to maybe doing it? Because from a Corona standpoint, um, you know, your home country is doing reasonably well in comparison to America. Now, Utah's reasonably safe at the moment, too. Now, the numbers are skewed and, and they're probably not probably they're not representative of what's really there. But I mean, did you guys get actually close to, to jumping on that plane? I mean, we to be honest, we, we still talk about it every day now. Virgin Australia, they've shut down travel. Um, other states have shut down travel. Um, Australia is actually, so I think they're probably in terms of, they're a couple of weeks behind, um, but they've basically gone on lockdown as of yesterday. So hopefully that, um, I don't know, slows it down or flattens the curve as they, as they say. But yeah, we, I mean, we still talk about it every day. Um, what the best option for our, our family is. And obviously for me, that's the, the first and only priority right now is that Renee and the kids are, are happy and safe and healthy. And um, if that is to go home, then I have no problem putting them on a plane and going home. Um, if something happens with the league and it, and it picks back up and we're going to play, do they stay in Australia for the rest of the year? Do I, do I just come back by myself? Do we all come back? We, we can obviously figure that out, but yeah, it's just something that we talk about every day. We, we watch the news. We see what's going on in Australia. We see what the numbers and stuff are, are kind of doing here. Um, the only thing with going to Australia is one of the kind of myths or whatever is that the heat is something that can, like being outside and the warm weather is something that can, can help you or protect you from the virus. And Australia is going into winter. Um, so we usually finish the season and go into winter. So do we want to take our children back to the winter when it's going to be summer here in Utah. And as you guys know, Jacob's autistic, which his immune system is nowhere near as strong as um, a non-autistic child. And um, that's a, that, that obviously plays a huge part of it because if he was to happen to, to get it, um, as much as the numbers or people have said that it hasn't affected kids with, with his immune system, it, it really could affect him. Um, so it's just all things that we weigh up and talk about every day. And, Obviously, when the, the time or, or we feel something's right, we'll either obviously kind of just stay here and keep going or we'll we'll pack up and go. But um, even Jacob's therapy, Jacob and um, all autistic kids, their routine is is the biggest part of their life. And um, Jacob hasn't been able to go to his, his therapy now for a couple of weeks. We're very lucky that they've started doing home therapy. Um for a few of the kids, the, the parents that wanted them, uh, wanted the wanted the home therapy, and we obviously 
um, jumped at it. So we've he's actually doing therapy right now with his therapist upstairs. So um, yeah, just all things we have to weigh up. But like so I they said, come to the house and and do do whatever they normally would do remotely. Is that yeah. basically what happens? Yep, yep. So he he normally goes to a um, a, a therapist like a clinic or whatever um, from nine till two every day and or Monday to Friday and. So his main therapist is um, is now just kind of coming here. So he comes nine till one, kind of twelve one, depending on um, how Jacob does with it. It's a lot harder doing home than it is at a at, at a school. Um, he obviously is comfortable at home. It's his it's his kind of safe space. So he knows where he can run to hide or to go and close the door. And um, so we'll do it as as long as he keeps. Um, kind of responding to it well if it if it's not going well we'll we'll pull him out and have a few days off and then try again so it's like i said it's just things right, we all have right, to right. weigh up um i guess when you have children really yeah i mean listen you it's it's to me it's it's crazy to hear your stories i mean you've always been uh one of if not the most relatable dudes in the league um you don't put on any airs you know you're you're humble, but then you got that great combo where you get on the court and, and you're one of the best trash talkers out there. And, and, you know, I think people have always enjoyed, enjoyed that dichotomy, but I want to go down this road with you of, you talk about Jacob, you talk about earthquakes, you talk about coronavirus. The, the word fear keeps coming into my head when it comes to, uh, you know, back on that night of March 11th, when in real time, <clears throat> you and the rest of your teammates are having to figure out what the hell is going on here. Now, one specific thing I was curious to to get clarity on from you and, and what it was like for all of you guys that night in Oklahoma City is that, you know, Corona in general had just been growing, 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 and we knew it was a concern. Yep. Um, that's the night that the world learned that Rudy had had symptoms, that, uh, that the test was positive. Um, you know, I've talked to folks from your organization who say, listen, I mean, the test had been taken, I think, a, a day before, something like that. Like, where was your head at? going into that OKC game, did you know that Rudy had been tested? Was this already a concern in the back of your mind? And then, you know, from your seat, just kind of take me through the chaos of, of that. Cause it yeah. sounds like it was just an incredible scene. Yeah, it was, um, I said on my podcast, it was like something that you, I wouldn't want any other team to really have to go through. <laughs> it was, um, uh, obviously on one side, kind of glad it was us cause it, it, it happened and it, and it was obviously able to, um, not good to shut down the, the league or anything or, or helped. Um, I don't know if it sped up that thing of like shutting the games down or whatever, but um, I think it made everyone realize how serious this, this virus is and um, kind of going a few steps, a few steps backwards. Quinn Snyder is our, our head coach is obviously Seattle and born and raised, whatever. And they had a lot more cases uh, way before, Utah did or, or any other state did. And so coach, coach was coming in weeks before any of this, like it even became that big a topic and was talking to us about it. So we, we felt, we actually felt like we were steps ahead of any other team or businesses or anything. Um, he had family and friends in, in Seattle being affected by it and um, people he knew, people he didn't, but watching the news from there, he, he knew how serious it was getting. And so we, we probably had, two, three meetings about it before like anyone had, like before the NBA had really brought anything out before anyone had really spoken about it. I, I think we were, we were steps ahead of it because of, of coach. And, um, I think the first meeting or two, everyone was kind of sitting in there like, 
not 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 caring about it, but it was a bit it was a bit more like, all right, like let's be careful, but like let's still live our lives and whatever. Like it's not we didn't nobody really thought it was that big a deal back then. And then we actually had a meeting, the shoot around the morning of the Toronto game, which was the night before we left for OKC. Um, we had some people from the University of Utah come in and talk to us. Um, and it went for about an hour and it was pretty in-depth. And um, with Quinn's meetings before that and then this one, that was the one that kind of woke everybody up, I think, to be like, all right, this is this is serious. Like, we need to, we need to, we need to like, be responsible and, and whatever. Like, everyone needs to, whatever, wash hair. If you're feeling any symptoms or whatever, let people know, whatever it is. And, um, so we played that game, got on the flight the next day, um, so Rudy, Rudy did his test in Oklahoma that afternoon, which is, um, I think they kind of expedited the, the results pretty quickly because that's that's how it, how it ended up being with, um, I think it was OKC's medical officer or whatever it was running on the court. I think he was the guy that was talking to the referees in the middle of the court there. Um, yeah. So Rudy and Emmanuel were out regardless. They they were both feeling whatever they were feeling. And they, I think I'm pretty sure they both got tested that day in Oklahoma city. Um, okay. Emmanuel's obviously came back negative and uh, Rudy's came back positive. And then basically then that's when, so we, we were about to, I mean, as everyone probably has seen now, we were, we were on the court, we were prepared to play. I mean, it was a, <laughs> going back to like kind of normal, but it was a huge game for us. I think we were tied one, one, we were fourth, they were fifth. Um, it, it, right. was, it was a huge game. So we, we were really ready to, to play. And I think knowing that Rudy and Emmanuel are out, we just, I mean, it's like any other time when someone's out with sickness or an injury, you just next man up. And I think Tony Bradley or whoever was going to start, we were just, we were so locked in on, on playing. We, you kind of forgot about it for a little bit because it was such a big game for us. And um, yeah, next thing you know, the, the this medical or whoever it was runs on the court, they talk, for a little while, we end up getting taken off the court. Um, then we sat in the locker room from whatever it was, like five past seven until 11, 12 o'clock by the time we got our test. And then no hotels wanted to take us in, um, I guess, with their own. Yeah, did I hear residents in? Yeah, it was the residents in, in OKC eventually at like <laughs> 12, one o'clock that we, um, that we got to go to. And um, we all end up just like sitting in the lobby because we didn't really – you, you, it's kind of like you said that word fear. It was like the, the first thing that came to my mind was like Renee and the kids. Like if if it is, which we end up obviously seeing that it was Rudy that was positive first um, in our team. Like whoever's passed it to whoever, like we will never know that. Like no one's, you can't sit there and say it was Rudy's fault. It was Donovan's fault. It was someone you can be carrying it with no symptoms. You can obviously carry it with symptoms. Like there's so many um, ifs or buts about where or who or whatever, but my, my first thought was like my family, my kids, Renee, uh, Renee and, and Jacob and Miller. Um, so I called Renee like at 10 past seven and she just put the kids down and was actually sit, about to sit down and, and watch the game and obviously realized that um, no one was on the court and I was calling her and that's never happened before. So she probably freaked. <laughs> um, yeah, my first thought was like, are you guys all right? And, the kids haven't had symptoms and you haven't had any and blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a pretty scary time. I think the scariest thing about it is like the unknown in it all. And 
still to, to like this day now, like there's still so much unknown that um, is the scary part because they say whatever kids or you're only really affected if it's six. Like we don't know that. Like we don't really know. We haven't really got that many. There's obviously numbers on a lot of the elderly of the ones that have passed away or whatever, but um, there's so many unknowns to this, which is to me, which is the scariest part. Sure, sure. I know Joe wants to jump in here, um, but I, I want to follow on one thing because, listen, Joe, you're a grown man who can decide how much you feel like sharing or getting into. I feel like when it comes to this, this stuff doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things, but the Rudy Donovan discussion publicly has become, to a degree in the sports world, this kind of gossipy thing where, okay, Rudy's taken a ton of criticism for touching those mics in the media session when he didn't know how serious this was and certainly been criticized for not taking it Seriously enough, Donovan went on Good Morning America, was asked by Robin Roberts if he had talked to Rudy and indicated that uh, it didn't seem like they had talked. But as their teammates and as a guy who's been you've been a glue guy in that locker room for a long time and you guys have been widely celebrated with good reason for having some of the best chemistry in the NBA. uh, What should people you know, I guess what's the truth about that dynamic and what was that like? I mean, when you know, as far as this is now bigger than basketball and you might be looking at Rudy going, Rudy, we love you, but what are you doing? Or, or maybe everybody made too big a deal out of it. Like, how do you, what's the truth on the inside about those dynamics? Yeah. I mean, I don't, um, I honestly don't know if they've spoken or how much they've spoken, if they have, or if they haven't. Um, I think the thing that everyone needs to, to realize first and foremost is, is like you said, like Rudy didn't know he had, like him joking around, like I think he even said it in his thing. Like he he was being a little bit careless, but he didn't know he wasn't intentionally doing it to to pass it or not. Like he he didn't know that. So people, um, whatever, going after him on social media or publicly, not publicly. Um, I think it's just wrong because he he didn't know. Yeah, there's there's probably. Well, there is thousands and thousands of people walking around in America right now that have it that are touching things right. and, and shaking hands or whatever they're doing and, and don't know that they have it. Um, in terms of our team dynamic, it's obviously been pretty quiet regardless because we, we haven't practiced, we haven't um, we, we haven't done anything. So we don't, we speak like as regularly, probably not as regularly as we normally do, but we, we, we speak, the guys talk to each other. Um, I think the thing with Rudy might've been more like frustration than anything just because like whoever was going to be the first one out, like there was always going to be a first NBA player that had it and tested positive. And right. like it sucks that it was Rudy just for, like I said, the barrage of kind of social media or whatever he's had to cop for kind of, like I said, like no reason because it's not, like I said, he, he there's no way like Rudy's, you know, Rudy, like Rudy's not a bad guy. Like he's not walking around trying to, <laughs> trying to infect people or trying to do it on purpose. So, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, being this like glue guy or whatever, I'm I'm confident our team is is going to be totally fine. Like it takes, um, I, I heard Donovan's response or whatever it was to that question, and um, a part of that is on on Donovan and Rudy to to sort out if if he's frustrated with him or whatever. But um, I have no doubt when we go back to training or the season starts again, our team's going to be what we have been and what we are, and we'll we'll be a good basketball team and we'll. Oh, I guess we'll hopefully get to play um, the rest of this year out and, and do what we set goals to do at the start of the year. Um, 
if we don't get to play this year, then we'll we'll get prepared for next year. But um, yeah, I'm confident our team will be completely fine. The chemistry will be fine. Um, like you said, we've we've been known around the league to be a um, a, a close bunch of guys, and, and I believe we still are. You know, Joe, like I'm thinking about this and listening to the answer and, and thinking about what Donovan said and and I'm imagining that at some level, some of his reaction had to do with he had, I guess, uh, like you said, we, we can never know for sure who gave it to whom, but he, he caught something from a teammate who – that or that is so contagious, so contagious, and so dangerous that these people in hazmat suits had to walk into your locker room, and that that, that just had to shake everybody uh, to to their core. And it, it kind of leads me to this next question. What I've been thinking about is okay, like the Jazz are among the the teams and the people who were kind of at ground zero of this when it when it comes to the NBA, and that was a scary night. I mean, you've just talked about it again today. Um, and so what would it take for you kind of having been through this um, and come out okay? I mean, you know, you don't have it. But but what would it take for you to feel good and comfortable about coming back and playing again? Yeah, um, I don't know. That, that's the hard part. And obviously the, what the league is going to have to really deal and, and probably struggle making a decision with because um, I, I think I have a really different perspective on it because I've got a, a child that could be really affected. Um, my, like I said, Jacob with the autism and his immune system, like mm-hmm. we've had, we've had so many experiences in his three and a half years of, of him getting a cough and Miller having exactly the same, they're twins. So like they, they pass everything to each other. Um, her sickness goes for three days. His sickness goes for 10. And he is like, like if I, I've got pictures of it, like if, people want a reality of like what it looks like of a kid with a bad immune system being sick. I can, I can put one of those pictures up to prove how much it hits them. And, um, so for me, it's, I've got a really different perspective on it because I, the last thing I want, like I, if you had to tell me like you could never play again to protect Jacob from this, I'd walk away, fly to Australia and, and never play another game in my life and be very content with it. Um, Good for you, man. That's deep. I could, walk out of this gym now, the clothes I'm in and go to the airport. Like I would have zero issues because I'm not going to, I wouldn't want to put my family through that. I wouldn't want to put Jacob through that. I don't want to put his sister through that. And I definitely don't want to put his mother through that. Um, so I, I, it, it's really hard. Like if they said to, if they said to me, we're, we're shut down for the rest of the year. Like I, I wouldn't be mad about it because I, I've got a different perspective and different opinion because of my son. Um, if I was a, 25-year-old single male in Utah playing for the Jazz, I'd probably want to be playing right now. Like, I'd probably feel like I would be healthy enough to fight through it if, if I did catch it. Um, my own personal perspective, I don't see how we can play only because of the numbers of rates and stuff and how high this is still going. Um, all it takes is for one, one player, like you said, like if, if Rudy was the one to have it. Don't even mention Rudy. Say it was me that has it. And I give it to one of my teammates and we play whoever and gives it to one of their teammates and their whole staff and team's potential to get affected. And um, it, it, I just don't know how it would end up stopping if we if we kept playing. Um, I think like everybody has has mentioned and said, this social isolation is, is the, the key to it right now. Um, we had the state epidemiologist last night or yesterday, whatever it was on our podcast, and 
she said it's going to be, she thinks it's going to be months of this social isolation where we've just got to be smart. If you want to, if you want to go for a walk or go outside, more than happy, you're more than welcome to, but just stay away from people if you can, if you can, if you can help it. So, um, I guess it's, it's hard because I, I, <laughs> I would love to go back and play. I, I, there's a million reasons why I want to play. Um, but the one reason, um, of Jacob to not play is, is the one that, that I would stick by. Like I said, I, if it was me never playing again, then I would happily walk away. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's hard to answer because they come from that different perspective, but obviously I know there's 449 other players there that are you know, itching to get back and play. Wow. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, thank you for sharing that. That was some, that was some real honesty and it kind of, it pulled me in a, a bunch of different directions. I and mean, I'm thinking, uh, you don't know this, but I'm based in Cleveland, uh, used to cover the Cavs. Um, and so I know Larry Nance Jr. Well, and, and he's very public about his Crohn's disease. Um, so he's in, he, uh, you know, he, he, he is, uh, at risk, you know, certainly. So, I mean, that's like even players like that, it's something to consider, um, and then I, I'm working on a story. It'll be out in a couple of days. Um, but it, I, I talked to this, uh, a bunch of economists actually. So they're not doctors, but they all study numbers, right? Like they're really good with numbers and they, they can follow what's happening in Italy and China and kind of just do the, you know, be able to, to, to chart it and, and how that affects the United States. And we were talking about, playing basketball again this summer, which he thinks there's just absolutely no way that that can happen. Um, and I said, why? And he's like, well, listen, so let's say there are 450 or 500 players in the NBA and they're all from the ages of 20 to 30, whatever. And they're all, they're the top 1% uh, of conditioned, you know, humans on earth. And so they are the population where you don't get sick. Um, but then there are another 500 people at minimum that it would take to put these games on. You're talking about coaches, assistant coaches, TV production crews, refs, all, all the way through. Athletic and trainers. those 500, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're, you know, I mean, I'm 40 years old, so I'm already, uh, you know, I, I'm already outside of that, 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 that zone yeah. where you're completely okay. And he's saying out of the numbers tell us out of those 500 people, five will die. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Like the the like if if the disease is not contained, and so that's kind of the thing that the NBA would have to um, have to weigh. You know, if you want to come back and play this summer, I've had I've had so many discussions with with different people and people back home, and um, like I said, we had the, the epidemiologist before and after the podcast, just sitting there with her and having a like an off air kind of conversation. And, I mean, there's so many different ways you can pull it and turn it. It's like it's kind of like those basketball analytics. It's like you can make any player look like a superstar if you turn the numbers a certain way or make it look a certain kind of certain way. So, um, I mean, the NBA is going to have to make a decision at some point. Um, I honestly don't know what that decision is. And like I said, if it, if it got cancelled, then I, I wouldn't be. I'd be hurt because I want to play. Like, I love playing. Like you said, it's like <laughs> I love being out there. I love talking trash to people. I love competing and winning. And that's what our, our team has, has been so good at for so long now. But um, they were, like you said, with those numbers, like they would have to decide if those 500 people are, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's hard to even talk about because you're talking about people potentially dying from it. And we're talking about a, 
basketball game, like in the scheme of things. Like it's a sports bar. I know people love it. People have their like jobs from it. People, it's a massive re- revenue for a lot of people. Um, but is that worth people living or dying over? Like, it's a, it's a pretty tough one for the NBA to go through. I mean, listen, I, and my only concern there, guys, is I, I think the world of Adam Silver, I think he's a very good leader for the league. I, as a citizen, I'm worried a little bit. When I heard him, he, he talked to Rachel Nichols at ESPN last week, and he made this comment that stuck in my head, which, and I'm paraphrasing, but in essence, he talked about how he thought that they set a tone by suspending the season. Other sports leagues followed fine. Now, I would argue that Rudy's situation made that a black and white decision, but it is true that they were the first to go. Um, on the back end of that, he alluded to the idea that that maybe you know we need to be leaders when it comes to helping people get back to life, and and that sounds all well and good. It also the, the skeptical part of me says, okay, but what percentage of your motivation is just simply you know helping your battered bottom line and the fact that you're just absolutely burning cash right now as a league. And that's unfortunate, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as everybody's health. Um, Joe, in that same vein, and like you, you kind of qualified it a second ago, a lot of this stuff in the grand scheme doesn't matter that much. But um, on the money front, right now, my understanding is, and again, you can share whatever you want to share, but that the union and the league have been discussing paychecks and you guys just getting paid and that there's no discussion right now past April 1st and no assurance from the NBA that you will continue to get um, your normal paycheck. There are provisions within the collective bargaining agreement that if the league, you know, wanted to execute certain outs, um, they do have those at their disposal. Uh, Michelle Roberts, the executive director of the union, has talked about this stuff publicly. What is your understanding on that front? Yeah, I mean, honestly, not too much more than what what you guys have or what they've kind of put out. Um, so obviously, I think I think. We've been told, I think it's April 15th, so I think we get the 1st and the 15th. We definitely get the 1st. I'm pretty sure I read that we get the 15th too, and then after that was kind of up in the air. I think I think CJ McCollum or someone tweeted like, or Danny Green maybe, I think one of those guys tweeted like, you're going to get these next two paychecks. Like, guys need to be smart with it. Like, we all know guys, some guys, depending on what you're on, you're like, potentially guys are living paycheck to paycheck, and that seems silly to to regular life, like people making the minimum wage in America, or whatever. But some guys are used to this lifestyle and that check coming in, and they they spend money like that's what they do, or whatever. It's they each their own. Um, it, it's hard. Like obviously, I mean, you guys know me fairly well. Like we 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 would be fine if I didn't get paid for the rest of the year. If we like, there's a lot of people that that need this income, and that's way bigger than just the players. There's there's reporters, there's like you, you guys, that there's the, the cleaning staff that come in at, at 12 o'clock at night and clean Vivian Arena when we're done and we're walking and sleeping in our bed. They're still cleaning till 3 a.m. There's the guys that pick up the court and put the whatever down for whoever's coming in to play a concert the next day. This, this is financially affecting, obviously, so many more people. The, the restaurants and businesses, the small businesses that are shutting down in... Yeah, well, all over, but obviously for me, like in Utah, all, all those people that are affected. I think I, on the news yesterday it said like Papa John's and CVS and stuff are hiring because they're the grocery stores that are all hiring. Um, and people are looking at applying for jobs there because they actually are going to take it here. I know 
just recently because of obviously being Australian, looking at the Australian dollars down to 57 cents, which is, I think they said, the lowest since 2002, um, which is obviously huge. And um, so, it's, I mean, it's obviously I would, I'd love to get paid. I think every player that's signed the contract in the NBA and whatever, and the employees signed the contract and you deserve to get that money because that's what you work for. You, you earn that spot or that promotion of your job or whatever it is. But reality is we, we might not. I think um, from a player's point of view, I think we'll end up getting something. Um, they might split it up over the, the next few months or something like that, take a percentage of it. Um, we, we haven't been told definitely what, what's going to happen or not. Um, but I think Obviously, everyone, not not just NBA players, but everyone needs to start thinking long-term about their finances for the next few months to make sure they um, can, I guess, do everything they can to make sure they can um, pay their bills, put food on the table for, for their families. So, uh, Joe, Sam and I were supposed to go to the Olympics um, to cover them, uh, so cover basketball. <laughs> yeah, right. And you were supposed to go with, with the – with Australia and uh, and my friend Matthew Delvadova, of course. Um, yep. and, and now, you know, all that's pushed off for a year. And the the thing on on my mind when it comes to this, I mean, of, of course they were postponed for a year. I mean, there was absolutely no possible way you could have had these Olympics yeah. this summer. But okay. So let's say um, that the Olympics are at the same time uh, next year. So July 23rd until roughly like August 9th or 10th. And, uh, yep. we, as an NBA, we get to play, uh, again this summer and we finish the, the season in, in August or whatever. And then they don't come back. You guys don't come back again until Christmas. So now the whole NBA calendar is pushed back into next summer. My question for you is if the NBA schedule shifts like that, I'm playing for Australia. Playing, yeah, that's well. That's my question, though. Like, you know, I mean, Damn. Australia has a ton you heard of pros. It here first. Team USA has all pros. Um, you know, even France has a bunch now. Spain, like, if 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 the NBA schedule moves, have we seen the end of of pros playing in the Olympics? I think you just said no. Yeah, no. It's a, it's a really, really, it's a great question. It's something that, that everyone's going to have to to think about. It's. Um, I also going back to what we talked about before. I also think it's a reason the NBA might might not play again. Just like, are they going to keep playing? Obviously, I'm sure Adam Silver isn't too concerned with like the Olympic game in terms of the NBA running like over the schedule or not. Like, if he decides that we're playing again, then he's not going to be worried if Joe Ingles doesn't get to go to play for Australia. Um, Obviously, like you said, it's there's a million reasons why they want the NBA to go on. Um, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, I, I've, it's funny. I watched. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Paddy Mills put a, a really good video out this morning um, about it being postponed, and that was actually the first thing I woke up and saw was was his video. So I was listening to that and like, oh shit, it's it's postponed. Like that was the. Um, the first thing, and even he said in his video, like we, we've played, me and him started together in 2007. We've played every major tournament. I think he missed one with his shoulder um, one year from um, a World Cup or something. But we've, we've played every tournament since 2007 together. Um, and it's like 
for us to not go to the Olympics next year because of the NBA would be like it would be a, a hard pill to swallow for me. Um, I do understand on the flip side of that that the NBA and the Utah Jazz are the ones that pay my salary and they pay me a lot of money and I'm obviously obligated to be here and um, to, yeah, I, I don't even I don't even know. I mean, I I absolutely love playing for Australia and I would do anything to keep playing for Australia representing my country. Um, we obviously don't really know what that looks like yet. I, I hope that it doesn't clash. Um, and not just for me. I, I know I've been obviously teammates with with Ricky, um, Rudy playing for the French national team. Like even Donovan this year came back after the, the um, World Cup and was saying how much he loves playing for his country, representing his country. And I know Rudy does. I know Raul Neto did. Like I know there's so many guys over the league. Um, and there's so many international players in the league now. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever been brought up in um, the meetings of, of Adam Silver and his crew that, that talk about that. Um, but like uh, with with such an international, I mean, your MVP last year was was playing at the World Cup. Like, there's so many, there's so many international players that that love playing for their countries. That um, I don't know if the NBA would would do that to stop them playing um, at such a big tournament. No, I mean that's great stuff, guys. Um, I don't know what the answer is either. It's surreal to see these these headlines actually come to fruition. I think we all knew the, the Olympics was in danger, but now to have the IOC saying it publicly is crazy. Um, Joe, I know we we joked off air about the marathon pod having you on for twelve hours. We're not going to do that to you. We're going to let you get to the gym, get your stuff in. I'm going to end on a lighter note. We've covered a lot of heavy stuff today. And you've been incredible. Thank you very much for the time. And, and obviously, we're like everybody no, else no. thinking about you and your family and, and Jacob, you know, more than anybody when it comes to just the, what he's facing. So um, you're doing a great job. But on the lighter note, because you're Mr. Relatability, I just want to know uh, when you're not working out, when you're not taking care of the kids and Renee, um, this has now become the, the, the experience of, of binge watching everything. Netflix, you know, whatever your TV service is. What is Joe Ingalls? taking in these days to pass the time? Are there family shows? Are there couple shows? What are you getting into? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of the day is, is kids and, and Renee. Um, I get up with you, the kids every morning. At, we get them up at like 7 o'clock, and me and Renee do that together every morning, and, um, which is also something I don't always get to do because I'm on the road. I'm sometimes sleeping in if we arrive home at three o'clock, whatever. And Renee is a hell of a, a mum that, um, or and wife cause she looks after to me as well. But I love that um, word, by the, the way. Days, uh, Can you say that one more time? Of, <laughs> <laughs> just, we don't, we don't hear that. Um, it's yeah. So my, my days from seven till basically six, seven o'clock at night are purely the kids and Renee. And, um, We've cooked more than we've probably ever cooked in our lives because we had to, we loaded up with some food and um, we've tried to do a bit of both cooking and trying to support, like I said, the local businesses by by ordering food and, and helping them out. But yeah, we we sit down at about seven seven thirty and um, we're actually addicted to Australian Survivor at the moment, um, which one of our friends was actually on it originally. He got voted out because he sucked, but. Um, he was on it originally, so we're down to the final four in that. So the the bad part of that is that it's only on in Australia Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So for us, that is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, 
and then we have to wait all weekend for the next one. So we watch that. Um, we spend a lot of time in the gym. We kind of swap, uh, switch between who's downstairs and, and playing with the kids. And um, yeah, honestly, it's just people that are around, like you guys know our lifestyle. And um, I think people only look at the private jets and the Ritz Carlton's and the, the nice, the, our, our salaries and all that. But to be able to like, like going back to, uh, this is way longer answer than you ever wanted. But um, Miller, Miller said to me the other day, she's like, Oh daddy, daddy, you're still home. Like you haven't left right. yet. But she's so used to me coming and going. And like, it almost makes me cry. Like I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could just stay home forever. Cause I don't want to, like they, they're at the age now, three and a half, where they're like, they see my suitcase rolling out and they're jumping on it and crying and not wanting me to leave. Right. So, just to just to spend this two weeks at home has been has been unreal, and not for the circumstances, obviously, but just to be with my family has been um, unreal. So, you know, we just being a family of four and enjoying each other's company and. Um, We'll obviously continue to do that until further notice. My ten-year-old Joe. Um, last night, true story. Uh, I, you know, we've had we've had really good days. Then we've had tougher days where the kids are not happy about. We have thirteen and ten-year-old sons, and they're not loving homeschooling. They're mad because they have to do something other yeah. than playing video games. I'm a sucker. <laughs> like my office looks out onto the street, and I'm really guilty of being influenced by peer pressure from a neighbor standpoint. If I look out the window and I see all the other kids outside and my kids are inside, like now we're going to social distance, but I get, then, then I walk in the other room and say, get the hell out of the house. Like I'm, I'm that dad. But last night my 10 year old and I are talking and I was trying to be on the positive side. And I was like, buddy, Hey, let's try to remember this is different. It's tough. But you know, honestly, you see a lot of people inspired by, the the appreciation of the family time like you're talking about and i said let's let's yeah. not forget that daddy's normally jumping on a plane doing this and our 10 year old's guilty of being brutally honest and sarcastic at, at the same time and he finishes my sentence and i said don't forget and he says how much you normally miss and i was like oh god like yeah buddy thanks for putting the knife in the old bag but yeah it's true though it's a reality yeah. it's like the, the amount of and for me as well, being in another country away from family and friends, it's like the amount of birthdays, weddings, um, and then like you said, like Miller's at dance class and Jacob does swimming and stuff like that. That like I, I would like Miller asked me weeks ago when she first started dancing, like Dad, are you going to come to dancing on Tuesday or whatever? And I'm like every every it happened to be like every Monday we were leaving at that point, and I'm like, oh maybe next week, done, or maybe next week, and now it's cancelled, and she's still like it's. We, we miss out on so much in this, in this lifestyle, which, um, like I said, I think a lot of people forget about because we are on TV and they get to watch and they're, we're, we're their favorite player or favorite team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not complaining about my lifestyle, but, yeah, this, this two weeks has been a, a bit of a, a bit more of a reality check of, of how much or how, how important your family and friends and the people close to you are. No question. Well, listen, if this thing keeps going a long time, maybe we'll have you back on. Um, thank you so much, brother. Uh, great stuff uh, on every front. And again, you know, stay safe, stay in shape. We'll see what happens and hopefully see you in an arena sooner rather than later. But thank you very much, Joe. We appreciate you. No, no worries at all. Thanks for having me on. 
And again, for the listeners, make sure you sign up. Ingles Insight on Apple Podcasts with, uh, I should have mentioned earlier, my buddy Aaron Falk doing that with you and Renee. Really good stuff. So thanks again, Joe. Be good. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. 